Hi, everybody, and welcome to RV Miles, your home for RV and camping news, reviews, travel guides, and more. I'm Jason. And I'm Abby, and this is episode 58 of the RV Miles podcast. To get today's show notes, head over to rvmiles.com slash podcast. You can also keep up with RV Miles on social media. We are at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And Jason and I, along with Jack, Ethan, and Henry, are over at OurWanderingFamily.com. And we are also on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, and YouTube. On today's show, we're talking fall camping. We have all kinds of tips and tricks for one of our favorite times of the year. Leaf peeping time of the year. Your favorite time of the year. I really hate that phrase. Yes, I know. (laughs) You know, nobody's got something better, I guess. In addition, I've got an interview today with Rick Shutt, Director of Community Engagement at Thor Industries. Thor makes most of the RVs that are out there, at least about half of them. And they have a new program that is a hands-on initiative going into schools, preparing students for careers in the RV industry in Elkhart, Indiana. Uh, So I think you'll really enjoy that. But first, this episode is sponsored by L.L. Bean. This year, L.L. Bean is joining up with the National Park Foundation, the official nonprofit partner of the National Park Service, to help you find your happy place. In an amazing system of more than 400 national parks, including historic and cultural sites, monuments, preserves, lakeshores, and seashores that dot the American landscape, many of which you'll find just a short trip from home. L.L. Bean is proud to be an official partner of the National Park Foundation. Discover your perfect day in a park at findyourpark.com. It's a great partnership, a great public-private partnership that we're excited to be involved in in our own little way. And, uh, you know, L.L. Bean is giving $3 million to the National Park Foundation and uh, along with a lot of a lot of support. And I, I just think it's really going to be a great initiative that's just kicking off right now it'll be really fun to see where it goes to because i like the fact that and we've talked about this before i like the fact that they are encouraging you to find your park in your own backyard yeah that you don't have to drive hundreds and hundreds of miles or take a week off from work and plan this big camping trip your national park experience could be just as a hop, skip, and a jump away. It's kind of like how Petroglyph sits just right there in the middle of Albuquerque. Yeah, it's it's sort of how we've always felt about uh, all the different non-major National Park Service sites, the smaller places, the monuments, the the historic sites. And, and some of them, even though, you know, they're not technically the National Park name, are even bigger than National Parks. They sometimes take up more space and are uh, every just as bit as beautiful. Well, it just makes me think a little bit too of how many people in my own hometown, myself included, when you talk to them about the Harry Truman Home, which is a national historic site in Independence, Missouri, a suburb, a very accessible suburb of Kansas City, how many people who live in Kansas City and in surrounding areas have actually never been to the Harry Truman Home? Yeah. And we took mom and dad. For the for their first time this summer, I went for maybe my first or second time. I think my grandmother made a point when I was about 12 to take me and my brothers to several Harry Truman 
spaces in Kansas City, his library, the home, the farmhouse. But that was not something that we grew up doing. And that's why I love this, because it's encouraging you to find out what's in your backyard. And you will be very surprised how close a National Park Service site is to you, I bet. All right. This week, we are coming to you from Omaha, Nebraska. We have just left Kansas City, getting back out on the road. We sort of slowed down our summer. Uh, We kind of did the same thing last summer a little bit, spent a lot of time with family. And uh, and now we're ready to really get back out to doing some fall camping and seeing uh, a lot of the north that we've never been to before. And on our way up towards South Dakota, we've stopped in Omaha, Nebraska, and we're here for a few days. And boy, did we really go from summer to fall really fast. Just last week, we were in Oklahoma City. It was 90, 100. We are sitting here in Omaha today. The low tonight is going to be 57. And we traveled in rain the entire way here. It's been cloudy. It will not break higher than I think 74, 75 the entire time we are here. Fall is officially upon us, whether we want it to be here or not. <laughs> so we're going to have some uh, experiences, hopefully, here, and we'll tell you about them in the, in the coming weeks. Uh, but all that's for another episode. So let's dive right in to the news. We've got a lot of news to talk about today. First off. Gulf Islands National Seashore, uh, and specifically the Pensacola, Florida portion, uh, where Fort Pickens is, is uh, it's one of our favorite places that we've been to to camp, and they're talking about removing vehicle access out to the Fort Pickens area. And, this story and to the is campground. This story is breaking my heart. Yeah, it's well, the problem, I guess, is that, you know, the road, it's like a six or nine mile road out to the end of the island that really, you know, it's across sand. And as as Mother Nature fights against it, they spend a lot of money repairing the road every year. Of course, without the road and without the money from people entering the park and people camping in the park there will be a loss in entrance fees as well. So there's a trade-off there. Uh, there's no set timeline for this. There's no uh, specific plans in place, but the superintendent of Gulf Islands National Seashore confirmed that part of the reason they've been working on this plan to put ferry boats in place to the island, or you can stop at different spots around the area, is to eventually get rid of the road You'll still be able to camp out there, but you'll have to pack in your camping on a ferry, you know, using tents and and whatnot. I just can't wrap my head around this because our experience at Fort Pickens RVing and staying on the island was one of the most magical experiences we have had so far on the road. It's one that we actually really want to repeat, and I guess we better do it sooner rather than later, because it may not be there later. And I do very much understand the cost that comes with trying to maintain a road that nature clearly does not want to have as part of its landscape. But I have to believe there's got to be some way to work with both. There's got to be something inside the modern engineering world 
that can keep that road from being destroyed every time a storm comes across the island. Yeah. It, the article I read made it sound like it could happen years from now. It could happen the next time the road gets damaged enough that it's unusable and they may just not repair it. And that decision isn't at the park level. It will be higher up from a regional superintendent or from Washington. But, you know, yeah, get down there while you can if you want to get out there in an RV because it's really worth it. We're we, never we going to get an RV spot there. now. <laughs> like everyone's going to try to rush down there. I mean, don't go down there. Yeah. Everything's fine. No. It's, great. it's great. The road will be there fine. for the next decade. <laughs> Just don't tell your friends. That's all I'm saying. Don't if you can go if you're listening, go. We encourage you to go. Don't tell your friends How this about is this? happening. <laughs> if you want if you want somebody to know about this, just tell them they have to listen to our podcast to get some important news. About Breaking Fort news Pickens. about Fort Pickens. Only place you can hear it. <laughs> the only place you'll hear it is on the RV Miles podcast. Next up, uh, beginning this spring, Texas state parks will allow you to choose a site when reserving and, uh, you know, come to the times with the, the rest of state parks across the country. When I read this, when you put it, when you put it in our show notes, I thought you had put a typo in and I was like, wait, reserve your site at a Texas state park. You mean you can't reserve a site? No, at a you, Texas you can't state reserve. Well, and a lot of parks are this way. A lot of private parks are this way, too, where you you make a reservation, but they don't give you a site. And that allows them to sort of judge you by your length and put you wherever is best. And it sort of allows them to maximize the sites. But you know, what happens often is people in a very small RV might take the biggest site. So the biggest sites aren't available. And, you know, I, I suppose they have every right to do that as well. So, um, but there, they will come. I don't know if it's going to be reserve. It it sure sounds like they're going to be on reserve America, but that wasn't confirmed from the article I read, and I'll link to this in the show notes as well, it sounds like everything that Reserve America does, they will be doing. So maybe it's sort of the white-labeled version of Reserve America that some states use. Well, you also mentioned, too, that it's going to allow you to pay the entrance fees online in advance, too. So you can not only reserve the campsite, but then you can pay your entrance fee into the Texas State Parks because there is a park fee. Yeah, and what happens sometimes at some of the more popular parks, there's sometimes a uh, a maximum capacity and they don't let people enter after, you know, the park is full. So you'll be able to pay your entrance fee in advance, reserving your entrance for that day. So you will be guaranteed to get into the park on that day. So that should be coming sometime this spring. There's no specific date set. Uh, news from Minnesota, another one of our favorite places uh, on Earth that we've been to. Up near the Boundary Waters, uh, up near where we spent a lot of time at Voyagers National Park. The Boundary Waters Canoe Area is just a, a wonderful chunk of wilderness that is full of waterways that people canoe on and that's about it um and that's all it needs to be because it's that in itself is spectacular and it's a really important ecosystem but a ban on mining has been lifted around the boundary waters canoe area wilderness in the superior national forest 
about 365 square miles within the watershed of the Boundary Waters. The area hangs along the southern edge of Boundary Waters. It's home to the what's called the Duluth Complex, which is believed to be one of the richest untapped deposits of copper, nickel, and precious metals in the world, although nobody's been able to mine it yet. Mining companies have been exploring the region for decades, but uh, mining was shut off. And on Thursday, the Department of Agriculture canceled a study. There was an ongoing study about whether there would be damage to the environment if mining was allowed. They canceled the study, and the Secretary of Agriculture said that the USDA can both protect the integrity of the watershed and contribute to the economic growth in stronger communities. Environmental groups, of course, are aggravated that the Department of Agriculture didn't finish this study uh, as they promised, and still others are saying that the mines are actually bad for business in the area as they may interfere with the growing recreational economy that supports the region. Uh, so we'll have that story in the show notes as well. And finally, another Boy Scout troop. This is the third time this year we have talked about this. What What is going on? Another Boy Scout troop has had their trailer full of camping gear stolen, this time from Little Rock. And in a school parking lot, the trailer was just taken. It seems like these thieves are not wanting the camping gear as much as they want the trailers. Every time, now this is the third time, every time the story gets a little bit more outrageous. This time, they stole a trailer from a Boy Scout troop in a school parking lot. Yeah. I just, I cannot wrap my head around and there's that. there's video of it too of, of the trailer they do have the truck on on video and they've actually caught this truck stealing other trailers in the area so um well, well i had no idea video. little rock had an that. issue with trailer theft i guess so wow well, i think trailer, what's the market down well, there for trailers i, mean, I don't understand trailer theft whether it's rvs or other trailers is is fairly rampant across the country you really need to be careful about keeping your your trailer secure especially you know, if it's an expensive RV, because people are are taking them, they're flipping them very quickly and getting rid of them. So there's no evidence that they had them in the first place. Really? I'm I'm sitting. This is a thing. Really? Yeah. yeah. I'm, yeah. I mean, I'm, you know, they'll sell it on Craigslist the next day and it'll be done. Believe it or not, I'm speechless. Yeah. I know everyone's shocked right now. All right. Let's. Uh, move on from the news. Before we go to the break, I have another app of the week. Are you ever going to run out of apps to recommend? Probably not. <laughs> I think your phone will run out of space before you run out of apps to recommend. That's, that's more likely. I'm just going to have to upgrade to a phone with bigger storage. Oh, is that the solution? Yeah. That's the oh, solution. Okay. <laughs> okay. My app this week is called Google trips i'm sorry who i've never heard of them before who is this <laughs> it's, you say it's goggles? a big company you might, might have heard of but <laughs> i don't think a lot of people use this app and i uh i gotta say i haven't used it a ton i have been playing around with it quite a bit and i'm really liking a lot of what it has to offer and i think it is a type of app that could be sort of a system app something that you use to set up your trips and plan them and, and use them, something you might use on a regular basis. So I think it's worth checking out um, at the very least. And of course, because it's Google, it is available on both the Apple App Store and 
for Android. Wherever Android people get their apps. I don't even know where you get your app if you have an Android. Do you? The, Is it called the Android the Store? Google Play Store. Google Play? Yeah. Google Play That's Store. still around? Yeah. I See... Our podcast is on. Some of our listeners are listening on the Google Play Store, so don't offend them. I'm not offending anyone for using Google Play. <laughs> this is just how outside the world of Apple I do not belong. We're not Apple snobs. I promise. We're not snobs. Even all I of just, our electronics are Apple. We are not snobs. Except it's, our kids because we're cheap. <laughs> except our kids have Kindles. We're not cheap. Those are great for them. Those little Kindle fires, those covers. They're for, fantastic. They are fantastic. But let's not kid ourselves. They were cheap. Well, yeah, we got them like super cheap, though, because it was the holiday season and they were massively discounted. But a Kindle Kindle Fire is like under $100 and, you know, an iPad is $400. I know. So, But Jack's iPad is also like five years old, so it's really lost its value. So I think actually Henry and Ethan have the better deal at this point. Anyway, Google Trips app. Here's what you do. You, You download the app and when you open it up it says where do you want to go there's a little search bar there just says where do you want to go and it shows you below the past places you've been to so i'm going to type in omaha pizza (laughs) oh you can't type in pizza can you you, say i suppose where do you want to go pizza isn't a place though (laughs) nearest pizza no because that that's what you would use like Google, google maps for this is bigger than that so if i type in omaha it opens up a page for me here that has a lot, lots of different options. It has a big things to do tab where it opens all the different places around here ranked by um, by their popularity and, and the reviews. So number one here is the Omaha Henry Dorley Zoo and Aquarium, which we're going to. It's supposed to be a fantastic zoo. Well, yeah, which the lady at, the very nice lady at the Visitors Bureau that I met with today informed me that It's either, and I'm going to, I got to look this up before we talk about Omaha, but the zoo now is either the number one zoo in the country or the number one zoo in the world. On TripAdvisor, right? On TripAdvisor, which, well, the the Google review would back that up. It's got 4.8 stars of 9,919 reviews. So you've got all those different things and you can select them and you can add them to your trip. And it breaks them down between things that you might like from your history uh, to indoors, outdoors, kid-friendly, or alphabetical order if you want. At this point, is there anything that Google is not doing? No, Google has their hands in everything. Google, (laughs) Google is in every single thing we do. I mean, I feel like if you need an app, there's an app for that, and Google has it. So in addition on this app, there's a spot for reservations. So you can put your campground reservation. If you're flying somewhere, you can put your flight reservations and boarding passes in there. There's a place for saved places. So if you're in any of the Google apps, if you're in Google Maps or you're in this app and you star a place, when you're back in that area, it will bring that up. So say we we find some places we are interested in Omaha here, but we don't have time to visit them. If I star them, when we come back here, it will show them under my saved places when I when I type in Omaha. There's also a place for day plans where it has some pre-arranged plans that you might be interested in, where you could see like one one example here has you going to seven different sites 
in downtown Omaha that you would be able to do in a day and gives you sort of the route to take through them. Do you know what I just did while you were talking? What? Downloaded Google Trips. Right. See, that's what I'm saying. I just... This just sounds like the most wonderfully organized. It's got, and then it's got food and drink separately. And then finally there's a discount tab. So you can click on the discount tab and look at all the different discounts in the area that are available. So check that out available in the Google play store and in the Apple app store. Uh, It's free. And I think you might like it. And if you don't, you just delete it. If only it was so simple to get rid of things you don't like. You just delete it. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we're going to have the answer to last week's brain teaser and my interview with Rick Shutt of Thor Industries. Be right back. All right, we're back with the answer to last week's brain teaser. It went like this. I burnt the beef, but I'm not in the kitchen. You can read me, but I'm not written. Some might say I'm an outdated tradition. And boy, did we get a lot of answers this week. The answer was a cattle brand. So our winner this week is Missy Davis of Missouri. Missy will be receiving a Not All Who Wander Our Lost t-shirt, and you can have a chance to win one for yourself with the new brain teaser at the end of the show. This portion of the show is sponsored by Boondockers Welcome. Built by RVers for RVers, Boondockers Welcome offers a unique and inspiring way to travel, connecting you, the RVer, with welcoming local hosts that have overnight RV parking to spare. Boondockers Welcome is built on the spirit that kindness and generosity abound. And for only $30 a year, you too can arrange as many stays as you like to pass a night with those who love the RV lifestyle as much as you do. And best of all, Boondockers Welcome is offering RV Miles listeners 10% off an annual guest privilege subscription with coupon code RVMILES. That's all one word, RVMILES. 10% off an annual guest subscription at boondockerswelcome.com. Head on over there today to sign up, or you can find a link in the show notes. Rick Shutt, Director of Community Engagement at Thor Industries, is our guest this week. Thor is the manufacturer. They're based in Elkhart, Indiana, along with most of the other RV manufacturers. And they have brands like Airstream, Dutchman, Jayco, Heartland, and Keystone. Uh, one of the biggest manufacturers, if not the biggest out there. And they have a new program called the LEAP program. It's actually in its second year. And it's a hands-on initiative preparing students for RV industry careers. And not only that, it sort of gets them into uh, just the the mindset of how manufacturing works, all the different things that go into creating something like this, what product design is like. Uh, it's really interesting, and and I think it's really great that they're giving back. So I'm happy to have Rick Shutt 
on the show. Rick, welcome to the show. Jason, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. So tell us about this program. It sounds really exciting. I've been really getting into this idea that my background is, is sort of in, in uh, theater and technical theater. And I've been really getting into this idea that kids don't have to see big college career as their only option, that there are lots of different industries out there and there are a lot of different ways to get a, a serious career. And the RV industry is clearly booming like crazy. And, uh, and Thor is one of the biggest, if not the biggest manufacturers out there. And you guys have got a lot of jobs. So you've got this program that's intending to help kids out. Yeah, sure. This is the Thor Industries LEAP program. And LEAP stands for Learn, Engage, Achieve, and Perform. And it's kind of what it sounds, what you just described a little bit in terms of getting in front of local students, especially here in Elkhart County, where we're based, and letting them know all about the different careers within the RV manufacturing industry. Because you think about, uh, a lot of times people think about manufacturing, of course, they think about the jobs inside factories. But of course, when you have close to 19,000 employees like Thor Industries has, there is a wide range of careers out there. And that's what we really want to do is tell the students the opportunities they have, whether it be somebody who is working in customer service or assembly or sales or marketing. I mean, I could name dozens of different careers. So it's really an opportunity for us to go into the schools, increase the awareness of the RV industry, increase awareness of Thor Industries, and really let all these students know the different careers that they can have if they want to come to work for us one day. So, so what exactly are you guys doing? You're, you and, and some other employees are going out into, into schools in and around Elkhart County and elsewhere. And, and what happens? Well, sure. We have Clarence Thomas here at Thor Industries and Anissa Blosser are part of our team. And, and we pair up with our subs as well. So, for instance, if we are to go to a Wanee School District tomorrow, Northwood Middle School, in fact, uh, we're going to be visiting them here in the next few days. You know, we're going to go with them and we're going to pair up with one of our subs like Thor Motor Coach, who has a factory down there. And so we pair up with that sub. We help bring in HR people. We bring in engineers. We bring in salespeople to talk about the RVs, that type of thing. So it's really a matter of going into the schools at different levels. Uh, we're at the fifth grade level. We're at the eighth grade level. And then we're also at the high school level. And those are key moments in students' lives. At fifth grade, they're getting ready to head off to middle school. At eighth grade, they're getting ready to head off to high school. And of course, by the time they're a junior or senior in high school, they're deciding, do I want to go to college or do I want to enter the workforce right after I get out of high school? So those are key moments for us to kind of pick those grades and, and where we wanted to, to target, so to speak. So, you know, I can just tell you at the eighth grade level, we've developed quite a program where we're working with students on everything from problem solving activities within the RV industry, uh, teamwork activities. We have this really, really fun RV Lego build where literally 20 to 25 students are on an assembly line and they're working together and they're communicating with each other and they're problem solving and they all have different jobs. They could be a station worker, they could be quality control, they could be a parts runner, they could be an engineer, they could be a salesperson, uh, you know, they could be the plant manager. So they all get jobs and they get to work together and they get to build uh, Lego RVs in a certain time frame. And I can tell you, we purposely make the first round of the build difficult and it has flaws. <laughs> And so when they're done with the first round, they're a little frustrated because they didn't quite build that many RV Legos out of Legos. And, uh, you know, we sit them down and we and we ask them those questions. What went wrong? What happened? What could you make better? And it's really a great way for them to learn lean manufacturing, how to cut down on waste 
how to improve the flow. And then we have a second round that's much more organized and parts, the, the Lego parts are, are, are labeled and each student is in a line rather than having different stations all over the place. So they really get a chance to see, okay, this is how it works and this is what it's like to work together. And, and they get a taste of what the RV industry is all about. So it's not really just about introducing them to the RV industry, but you're giving them some real education from the people who do it about right. the manufacturing industry in general and the product design process and everything mm -hmm. that goes into all that sort of stuff. Yeah, and the teachers are very excited about that. You know, they, they really can't get enough of it. They're asking us, can you can you give us designs and we can take some of your designs into our classrooms and let the kids design their own RVs? And they're thinking of, you know, problem and project-based learning activities that the kids can do. And we're, you know, we're trying to figure out ways that we can enhance that as well. And and really just, you know, present the careers to them because a lot of kids don't know. I mean, one thing, you, you, you're at the eighth grade level and you're with 13, 14-year-olds. A lot of them have social media accounts. So that's one of the questions we ask them right away, like who has Instagram or who has Twitter? And, you know, most of them raise their, raise their hands and we say, well, how would you like to be paid to be on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook all day long? And everyone, they all have that reaction of what? And it's like, <laughs> yeah, that's a career. That's marketing. We have people that are market our products that are on social media all day long, marketing products, and that's a career. And so they don't know that's part of the RV industry. They don't know that you could be a lawyer for us. Or if you want to go to college as a business uh, major, that you, one day you can work in as one of our finance departments or in our tax, you know, you know, as a tax accountant for us, those type of things. So uh, it really opens their eyes to, you know, there are jobs on the assembly line that you can have. There are jobs within plants. Uh, there are jobs that you can have college degrees for. So it's that whole wide range of activity for them. Is, is part of the reasoning behind this program, is, is there a difficulty in, in hiring in the area right now, or how, how is that working out? I know with the industry booming and, and more and more builds happening that you got to bring people in to build them. Yeah. And that's, you know, the unemployment rate here in Elkhart County, is probably about 2%. So wow. you have, not only do you have RV industry, you know, trying to find those skilled workers, but you have supply companies, suppliers looking for those workers and elsewhere. So, you know, finding that workforce. Yeah. Once again, that's that's a key component of it, because you want to find that skilled, trained workforce and people, you know, number one, if they want to work in a plant for us and work on the assembly line that they they know how to measure and they've used power tools and, and have a background. And that's something we're trying to providing. We're trying to provide to high schools right now with the proper skill sets that we would look for. For instance, if a student graduated as a senior in high school, can they come into one of our plants? Do they know how to measure? Do they know how to use power tools? Do you know? Can they cut? Can they hammer? Can they saw? Can they put cabinets together? Can they can they wire chassis? Can they put plumbing together? So uh, that's a key component of the LEAP program as well at the high school level is to really work with the teachers and the superintendents of school districts to say, we, we really want to be able to help train students. And when they graduate, they can come to work for us right away. That's excellent. You know, I my high school, I graduated not that long ago in the, in the 90s. And and my high school, we had an automotive shop, we had a, a, a planetarium, we had a, a huge wood shop, and all kinds of trade-based learning programs. And and since they've ripped it all out and put in tons of computer labs and taught programming, I mean, it's all programming now. And I, I just think that it it's great that schools are now beginning to look back and say, wait a minute. We need people in the trades. There are these great mm -hmm. jobs in the trades. 
and then there are all these other jobs surrounding American manufacturing. American manufacturing isn't dead. It's just shifting around and moving. And, and there, are, there are manufacturing industries that are booming like the RV industry. Yeah, and that's the that's the key, and and we're seeing from the school districts, especially local here around Elkhart County, the you know obviously college college is fantastic, but it's not for everyone. Right. And the schools are seeing some of the kids who have gone off to college are dropping out after a year or two, and now they have student debt, and maybe it would have been a better avenue for them to come out of high school and learn that skilled manufacturing trade and go into our, something like RV manufacturing rather than having a year or two of college debt. And now what do they do? Mm-hmm. Um, but once again, we're not, we're not saying, you know, believe me, we're not saying college is not important. College is very important. And we have tons of careers out there for, for students who are graduating with college degrees that want to come to workforce. But we also want to remember uh, there's some great opportunities and some skilled positions and high demand careers within the RV industry there that if the students are trained right, they can come right out of high school and go to work for us on one of our lines and then, you know, if they have the work ethic, they work their way up. They can be a group leader. One day they could be a plant manager. I mean, our CEO and president, Bob Martin, is a perfect example. He started on the lower level position, and now he's a CEO and president of Thor Industries. Years later, he grew up right here in Elkhart. So he's a great example of, you know, work ethic and coming to work each day and learning and wanting to get better and improve yourself and, and what it can mean, and mean inside this industry. So so what are the goals for this this program? This is the second year of it. Right. right. And uh, and you're looking to reach about 5000 students this year. Correct. So so last school year, we, we started the program on a small basis. We saw about sixteen hundred students, uh, especially in late spring, around the late April, early May. So we had the summer to kind of tweak the program, enhance it, visit with school districts, talk to superintendents and principals. And so right now the goal is and we're on track to reach about five thousand students. And that's at the fifth and eighth grade level. Uh, so we will even have more at the high school level, and we're, we're calculating that as well. So uh, that 5,000 number it would be 5,000 fifth graders and eighth graders within the Elkhart area. Uh, there's about 10 to 12 different local school districts that we've talked to. They're all on board uh, are excited to have us. Um, it's been really, really fun to work with them. We, I was just at two school districts today or two schools today lining up dates and times that we're going to come to their schools. And the teachers are excited. And, you know, we tell them we're bringing RVs to the schools and the kids are doing all this problem solving and, and teamwork activities. So, um, yeah, it's going to be big. I can't wait to kind of tabulate the numbers and calculate all year long. And, and by the end of the school year, when we hit May, the, to see where we land. But hopefully we'll cross that 5,000 uh, number and, and even surpass it. So you actually bring RVs out there and let them tour around them and, and all that? Yeah, and that's a big that's a big part of the, of the visit as well. And at the fifth grade level, we're at a school for about two and a half to three hours. A lot of inside classroom work with, as I mentioned, Lego RV builds. We have activity books we put together. The students are doing trivia questions. They're doing leadership activities. And then we'll take a classroom of about 20 to 25 students outside while the other students are inside doing those activities and they'll get the tour, two or three RVs, be inside of them. Some have never been inside an RV, so it's an eye-opening experience for them. And while we're in the RV, we can show them things. We can we can show them a TV inside an RV and say, you know, you see that TV there? We Thor Industries, we don't make TVs. We have to buy them and we put them in RVs. And buying a TV and buying supplies, that's a job called purchasing. 
So if you're really good with money and you're organized and things of that nature, that purchasing is a great career for us that, you know, you know, some of our brands, you, you look at an RV and they have two or three TVs in them. So, you know, if you're building hundreds of them throughout the year, you need a lot of TVs, right? <laughs> and you need the TVs in the factory at certain times. You can't have 5,000 TVs just sitting there in a factory. So that's a perfect example we give to kids of that's a career for us. And uh, so when they get inside the RV, it's fun for them to learn that, you know, we're the RV capital of the world here. This is made right in their backyard. It's something to be very proud of. And, uh, you know, the kids love that experience because, as I said earlier, you know, some of them have never been inside an RV before. So when they actually get inside and see their beds and kitchens and TVs and refrigerators and microwaves, and it's just it's a really eye-opening experience for them. Well, it sounds like an excellent program, and it's really great to see an industry that's doing so well uh, giving back and uh, a great company like yours taking the time uh, out of your busy lives to to give back to children that might need some direction. I think it sounds like a really great program. Yeah, well, thank you. I appreciate that. And we, you know, we're really proud about it. We're really happy that we can help the local schools. Uh, we feel it's very important that we do. And uh, we're excited for this year. Like I said, we're, we're starting to hit the schools this week. And uh, the next few months are going to be very busy for us. And we're going to see a lot of students. And, um, you know, I know they're excited because we, when we pull up to the schools, they can kind of see when looking out the windows, they know we're coming in. So uh, it's kind of fun to be around, you know, especially being around younger kids at, at the fifth and eighth grade level. Because you look at them and you know they have the rest of their life in front of them. And you're hoping they're making those great choices of, of what they want to do when they get older. And, and maybe one day. You know, years down the line, I'll have somebody come up to me and say, hey, you came to my school and now I work in the RV industry. And so that'll be awesome for us. Sounds great. All right. Rick Shutt, thanks for joining us on the show. Jason, thank you. I appreciate it. And I want to thank Rick Schott again for being our guest this week. Uh, it's really great to see what they're doing over there at Thor to give back to the community. We uh, Let's change gears. We want to talk about our favorite time of the year, or at least my favorite time of the year. I was going to say, don't you. make that blanket statement. It's your favorite well, time of the year. Uh, your favorite time of the year is Christmas. I mean, well, that's, that is one yeah. month. But really, mm-hmm. I prefer the summer season, if I'm going to be perfectly honest. I if you could that. have Christmas in summer, you would be all it's set. Christmas in July. I've been pushing that for years. Nobody wants to get on that train with me. Anyway, fall is my favorite time of the year. It's particularly my favorite time of the year to go camping for a whole lot of reasons. And here are some of them. <laughs> and here are some of Jason's favorite. The scenery, first of all. Obviously, do I even have to say it out loud? Leaf peeping. Is a thing. Can we just call it leaf? Looking, watching fall watching colors? the leaves, watching looked, the leaves watching change, the leaves change, leaves changing. I just, I, why I, I never heard. Listen, them? I never heard the the phrase leaf peeping until a few years ago. I think it's like a new like marketing scheme from like Vermont or somebody. Michigan, I blame Michigan on this one. This is a pure Michigan. <laughs> Maybe not. You know what? Maybe it has an origin that we don't know about, and perhaps we should entertain using this this random company called google to google leaf peeping like maybe it is something that's been going on for hundreds of years and we need to get on board with it i'm I'm, I'm, okay 
you're okay it, with not getting on board I'm, with that. It's very possible. You might be right. Hey, Shakespeare could have invented it. He invented all, a lot yeah. of things we say. Exactly. This could go all, because, you know, in England. My point is, it's still a really dumb phrase. <laughs> I'm sorry. It, so, it sounds like you're, you. it sounds like you're peeping in people's windows. I, <laughs> look, I just. You know, I'm not peeping at the leaves. I am. I'm I don't need them. I don't I need it, it to. I don't need to. My looking at the leaves to feel voyeuristic. Just go look at the pretty leaves. To each their own, hun, in their journey towards <laughs> fall colors. I appreciate that aspect of fall for sure. It becomes crazy beautiful, especially here in the Midwest. Perhaps they don't feel that way about the fall in Arizona. But there are definitely sections of this country that just come alive with color in the fall. Yeah. Yeah. Especially like you said, the Midwest and places in Colorado, even in the North. Well, in, everyone in the says Acadia is the park yeah. to be at mm-hmm. in the fall. Like Acadia shines in the fall. The next big reason, and this might be the best reason for fall camping is the food. I don't understand. Huh? Because you, you what can, is so? I mean, what? Because how you, many how many weeks have I been saying, "Hey, do you want to make chili? Hey, do you want to make oh, chili?" And you chili. keep saying, "You keep saying, oh, it's too warm for chili. I can't <laughs> eat that kind of stuff in this warm weather." First off, I don't talk like that. So <laughs> yes, your voice is lower than mine. Please, it is, please represent me in a more flattering light. But in the fall, we get to eat comfort foods. We get to eat chili. We get to eat pie. We get to eat. All kinds of stuff that we didn't, we don't normally eat, like, I don't know, apple dumplings and... You know what? I will tell you, this time of year, it always does make me miss County Line Orchard. Right. Up in Chicago. Actually, they're in Indiana. But we would go get our apple donuts, pumpkin donuts, go out do a little apple picking places. Actually, just right down... The street yeah, from where yeah. we are staying, there is a pumpkin patch happening right now. I think we're going to have to hit it up. Of course, I completely agree with you. I mean, I love chili. I think it's great. I just don't think it should be consumed when it's like 70 degrees or higher outside. That just doesn't feels very unnatural to me. Football season needs to start and then I'll start eating chili. And football season started yesterday. So officially the official kickoff started. So we can make some chili soon. But it's also, you know, a good time to break out your Dutch oven and, and do like some campfire meals and, and the pie irons and all roast that sort of stuff. Roast marshmallows. Or just, yeah, or roast a hot dog. Just that stuff. <laughs> like sometimes it's too hot to have a, a fire in the summer. It's so, also a great time to start having your hot cocoa, mm-hmm. having your coffee, getting your pumpkin spice latte. Hot, hot cocoa. I think, <laughs> remember when we did the s'mores episode recently? I think we need do to I? have like, yes, I think I we remember. need a hot cocoa episode. Yeah, a whole a whole episode, maybe just a segment. But maybe we could do cocoa and coffee is there, together. Is there such thing as like bacon spice? Yes, I'm <laughs> hot cocoa. At this point, there's nothing in this society that you can't put bacon in. They'll put it in anything. You put it in your beard. Yeah, bacon, pumpkin spice latte, hot cocoa. I coffee. Take off the take out the hot cocoa, and I'm all over that crazy that's the best part just you throw in an extra shot of espresso in place of the cocoa please just have the the cocoa 
Look, we've already else. done our hot cocoa episode. I guess we're done. We just okay. did one. We just spent way too much time talking about hot cocoa. Another reason that we love fall camping is fewer crowds. You know, one reason we don't spend a lot of time going to places like national parks in the summer is they get really busy and that's okay. Sometimes we're cool with that as well, but it's just, they're just more accessible when there's less people, you know? So we love going in the spring and fall and fall is a great time because it's beautiful, especially because it's beautiful for most of the fall, you know, spring, spring is glorious in a lot of parks. But if you look at a place like uh, great smoky mountains, it's beautiful in the spring, but not the beginning of spring. At the beginning of spring, no, it, like it's, it's still beautiful, oh. of course, but it's just brown, you know? No, it looks like winter after a well, hard like, yeah, night. Yeah, winter just, <laughs> winter just <laughs> what it looks dried like. up and, and nothing yes. is budding yet. In the fall, they haven't been like soaked and frozen in the snow and then thawed and turned to mush. And oh, March gunk and, and April. Poor March and April. <laughs> it is rough in some parts of this country to be nature in March and April. Less heat, of course. You know, if you're going to one of the hotter areas that are popular, if you want to go to some of the places like in Arizona and New Mexico uh, and be sort of on the shoulder seasons where it's not as popular, uh, but it's also not as hot. Fall is a great time to go. Finally, activities like Abby mentioned earlier, apple orchards, pumpkin patches, local harvest fests, all kinds of stuff that you can't do during the rest of the year. You know what? I just remembered another reason why I love fall. The fall beer selection is so good. You come off a really good summer beer selection where you've been real citrusy and just very fresh and clean. And then you... Pull into fall and it just gets warm and kind of heavier beers and it ooh just. Mm, you know, I don't really beer. like. I don't really like. I don't enjoy a beer in the summer very much. Oh, that's unfortunate. For I you. know. I know. Because really well, here's the thing: is like I want my beer ice ice cold, and the ice, ice, second baby. it starts to warm up a little bit, I'm like I'm over it. Well, but, that's you're uh, taking love too long to drink it. Clearly, but I love it in the fall. Well, I mean, I'm sorry. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna slam them and crush the can against my forehead. All right. I I didn't suggest that, but hey, to, again, I'm gonna say it again to each. Their I mean, own. unless you want me to. I mean, you know, that could be fun around the campfire, but we're not gonna support that. Okay, I, no, there's <laughs> that one doesn't get it to each their own. Okay, okay. we're not gonna support <laughs> binge drinking. No. I don't understand how that just went to binge drinking, but that's fine. Um, (laughs) This is awkward now. I think that perhaps next summer, just think about increasing your... My beer mixed with lemonade. (laughs) Summer shandies. Maybe just maybe drink drink it a little bit faster and it won't be so warm. Or get one of those cute little... Beer cozies, yeah, or koozies. That's the thing I never where you are. Never have the time to like put one on. I'm too lazy to. <laughs> by get the a time you think, and, by the time you think of it, like I'd rather drink it faster. There you go. Yeah, yeah. All right. Okay, so those are some reasons we like to fall camp. Here are some tips for fall camping. Number one, watch the weather. Fall weather changes quickly, very quickly, as we have found out. In the last week and a half. Yes. Yes. <sighs> we, we this were, has been wild. We Wanderbus got a new paint job. We spent the last week repainting her. 
She and was going to the spa this week. We had a whole treatment plan for her. She was very, very excited. At Abby's parents' house. And, of course, the forecast ended up being for rain all week long, which is, you know, not so easy to paint in. Well, it seemed like two-thirds of the days it was supposed to pour like cats and dogs all day long and didn't rain at all. And then the days that it wasn't supposed to rain, guess what? What, Jason? Lots and lots of rain is what. Poor Jason. He was incredibly frustrated. <sighs> so it, it, it was a little it was a little rough going. But that you know, that's what you get in a lot of the country in the fall. The weather forecasts are so less predictable and you just gotta prepare for rain. And I will say if there's anything I don't like about fall, the rain is what I don't like about fall. Rain is the one piece of weather that I just can't stand. I will take snow any day. <laughs> over a cold rain. Yeah, a cold rain is is rough, especially too when the leaves have just fallen off the tree and so the whole ground is yeah. just covered with brown leaves and then it rains and then it's just like again, it's like spring. It's just yeah. mush. Now, like a midsummer hot rain, hey, you know, that's I'll take that all day cool. long. I'll go out there and be in that all day long. So make safely. sure you watch the weather, keep up on your forecast, uh check out some of the apps we've talked about in the past that we really like, Storm Radar is is one that I'm I'm a big fan of. Check the forecasts for optimum leaf peeping weeks in different areas because there are peak weeks. Yes, Don't just expect it, it's, you know, going to happen it, all season. And it's different on very like very small areas have different peak weeks. So you really got to check they have they have full maps that tell you when the best weeks to go are. Also those are going to be the busiest weeks in those areas, so just be prepared. A lot of people Go leaf peeping. A lot of people go fall camping to leaf see the beautiful peeping. To see the beautiful colors. Peeping. Stop. You this whole that it's creepy. I know that's my point. Okay. Next tip. If you want to arrive at the campsite in daylight, keep in mind that days are getting shorter and that you might have to arrive earlier than you think you you would otherwise to get that. Get that campsite set up before it gets dark. This is my absolute least favorite, worst, totally detest part of fall. I do not like the days getting shorter, the daylight getting shorter. I really love when it's still light out at like nine o'clock at night. Yeah, me too. This getting dark at five. It just makes me want to go to bed at seven. Especially before the daylight savings flip. Like it. It's just weird. And then, but the other thing to consider too, is if you were planning on outdoor cooking, that it's going to get darker earlier and it's going to be harder to see what you're doing. If you're, you know, people that eat at like seven or eight o'clock or later, you're really going to have to have a lot of light to be able to see what you're cooking outdoors. Also, just to piggyback on that, but not really, there are some places in this country that do not observe daylight savings time. So oh, if you, <laughs> so depending on how far your travels are going to take you, you could find yourself by the time we hit, I think, what is it, October that this is going to happen? We do the switch in October. I don't remember. I think it's October. Probably. You could potentially find yourself just a little bit confused. Why is everyone <laughs> an hour ahead of me or not an hour ahead of me? 
along with the cooking, uh, keep in mind that if you're planning to cook outdoors in the cold, or a lot of people are in RVs that don't have heat, and we always think of RVs as, as something that's got, you know, heat and people are tucked inside them nice and warm, but some people are in their pop-ups without heat, their teardrops without heat. So not everybody is out there uh, with heat, and I'm sure we've got some tent camper listeners as well. So, but if you plan to cook in the cold, bring extra fuel and prepare to spend more time cooking because it does take longer to cook outside when it's colder. The water for that macaroni and cheese just isn't going to boil itself as fast. <laughs> oh my God. I don't understand how it takes so long to boil water sometimes. <laughs> anyway, uh, to keep yourself warm, you might want to consider layering. Fall is a great time for layering, which is why fall is a great time for, you know, fashion as well. I like Oh, I like really, fall Jason? Clothes. What are some of the uh, the fall fashions this year we should all be looking out for? What What do you think is coming down <laughs> the project runway? <laughs> well, I know, I know, uh, I know women like their Ugg boots. Oh, their, honey, that is and, so and their, early 2000s. Please stop talking. Is it 15 Just years stop. ago yet? Yeah, this is so... <laughs> Look, 2003 called. They want their fashion back. Please stop. <laughs> Seriously, though, bring plenty of different layering options because obviously the temperature can change drastically throughout the day. If you even if you don't think it's going to get that cold, bring hats and gloves because, you know, you it, you're colder out camping than you are at home. If you're you think okay, I'm at home and I'm comfortable when it's, you know, 56 degrees outside in, in the heat of my home, you might not be as comfortable in your RV and you want to stay outside longer. So prepare to do that and bring plenty of, of different types of things to wear. Yeah, there's going to probably be somewhere around a 30 degree temperature swing. You know, we have, I think tomorrow, the high here in the area is going to be around, uh, 75 maybe and then it's going to drop down into the upper 40s tomorrow night or yes. drop yeah so that's a huge jump. actually i love that because i love that's another thing i love about fall camping is i like sleeping in the cold i really do as long as it's not too cold okay yeah let's define what you mean by cold please. well you know i mean you can you don't get hot and sweaty like I, I would much rather be a little chilly and snuggle up a little bit than being hot and sweaty and sticky in bed. Ugh. You know what I dislike about fall camping, especially right now in the Omaha, Nebraska area, is the mosquito that is well, inside this bus <laughs> right now one. that has been eating my legs alive during this podcast. Generally, that's nuts. a benefit, though, of fall camping. Generally, there are less bugs out. However, I think the weather around here recently... There's been a lot of rain. The, yes, the river's flooded and all kinds of stuff. So... I, there's a lot of mosquitoes here right now, but generally yeah, that is another great here. benefit to fall camping is that you get less and less bugs. If you hear a random like smack, <laughs> that's me trying to take a out a mosquito seeing its last <laughs> sight. Last thing it's going to see are my two eyes <laughs> as I crush it. Our final tip for fall camping is that some animals can be more aggressive as winter nears some of them are mating uh and uh you need to be aware that as they prepare for winter animals can be more aggressive so beware of beehives 
and be sure to eliminate trash from your campsite to avoid attracting bear and other animals. Yeah, it's never a good idea to taunt bison or <laughs> pop into the river with some grizzlies. Yeah, don't do that. Don't ever do that. Definitely don't do it during mating season. It's like, just avoid, just avoid that altogether. Unless you want a new friend. Don't do that during May season. Or you, you want your new friend to get incredibly angry yeah, are you, at you. Yeah, you that's the thing. Working so, basically the, for blocking it. A lot of the male an, uh, mammals and a lot of different species are trying to prove how strong and powerful they are to the ladies. So if you want to be their punching bag, go right ahead. All right. On that note, let's wrap this week's episode with a new brain teaser. This one is just, this one's a short, this is a riddle. What has one foot and no legs, but carries its house? We'll have the answer to that and a new brain teaser and so much more on next week's episode of the RV Miles podcast. We sure will. And like we say every week, if you are enjoying the podcast, we would love a five star review over on Apple podcast or Google Play, if they do that at Google Play. I honestly do not know, but I would welcome it. <laughs> we would also love it if you would share us around your social media or around your fall campfire on your next camping trip. But whatever you do, thank you as always for joining us every week. We will see you next week. And until then, keep logging those RV miles. Bye. Bye.